You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Hey Burley Church, happy Easter. Um, In what is normally, of course, um, there is no normal at the moment, what is normally a time of barbecues, celebration, family, friends, and of course, celebrating Jesus and, and what is normally a time to gather together as a church is perhaps one of the strangest Easter's we will ever have as we gather in our homes and are watching this online. But I just pray that this morning and this whole weekend and this whole remembering what Jesus has done, the the event um, is a time of encouragement for you. And that I just pray that even in isolation, Jesus is speaking, the spirit is moving and stirring. And so let me read a, a verse out of Luke 24, one to eight which is a story um, around the resurrection and, and those approaching the empty tomb after Jesus has died. Let me, let me read. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes and gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In the fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on a third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. A story of the women coming to the empty tomb being met by these angelic beings that are saying, he's not here, he is risen. I appreciate Haley as well for reading that um, to us as well this morning as a reminder, powerful words. And so I've got a question today. It's really one of the, there's a few questions, but really one of the only questions that I want to kind of center this message this morning on. (laughs) It's pretty direct. And the question is, do you believe God is dead? Say it again. Do you believe God is dead? Or more specifically, do you think the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is dead or missing? Some of you, I imagine, because this is online and people at home, people are curious around Easter and people have been shared this link. Some of you will be honest and I appreciate that. And you'll say, I don't know. I don't really know if he's real to begin with, so I don't know if he's missing. I don't know if he's alive first to be dead, but I don't know, Steve. And in which case... That's great. That's a, that's a great question to ask. And those questions are completely normal for everybody. Uh, the other type will be a Christian. And you've been a Christian for a while. And, um, and you'll probably say to yourself, yes, Steve, I believe he is alive, well and living. And that's the correct answer. So also congratulations. And if this was a Sunday school lesson this morning, that might be my sermon for today. But I want to push a bit further um, on that question. I want to push a bit deeper. We've kind of been on an unofficial, uh, due to the COVID-19 virus, we've kind of taken a tangent for a bit on an unofficial sort of series, which God has sort of led about asking where God is, what he's doing and asking where Jesus is and where he's stirring. And so we're going to continue that this morning and pushing a bit further on this idea of, of God living versus being dead. And so the story I just read, um, a not an unfamiliar one in the Bible. Um, if you don't know, the Bible is a collection of stories, a library of books about man's interactions with God. 
and God's great story through creation. It's multiple books over thousands of years, but it's one consistent story. Men and women consistently, though, in this story, underestimate or completely miss what God is doing all the time. Let me give you some examples. One of the first examples is in the first pages of the Bible is Satan saying to Adam and Eve, is that what God really said? <laughs> the first story in the Bible, in its order, in its chronological order, from the beginning of time is this story of the devil saying to Adam and Eve, is that what God really said? And them, not sure, questioning. Does he really have our best interest? Is, is God good, powerful, loving and alive? It even comes when we see the Israelites in the desert. They don't seem to know the freedom and goodness even when it resides in the center of their camp. We see there how desperate they are to box in to control their God and they make golden calves, they make idols. Again, underestimating, again, not understanding where and what and what their God is doing and who he is. Even Jesus' parents <laughs> lose their son at a young age when he goes missing, not understanding that he'd be at the father's house teaching at the temple, listening, growing, learning, or more likely teaching them as we see, them learning and growing through him at a young age. And then finally we come to the story read this morning. The ladies kind of justify, like totally fine that they do this because I've just seen him die a couple of days ago. They go to the tomb. That's understandable. But the angel with what seems like a bit of sarcasm, not quite, says, seriously, you're looking for him here. He's not dead. He's not a dead God. Death cannot defeat this man. He is risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, the angel says. A simple message this Easter Sunday. It's all well and good to say he's alive. That's the correct answer. But the real fruit, the real proof, I guess, the real test of what you actually think is where you expect him to be. Let me say that again. The actual fruit, the actual test, the actual, I guess, real test on where you actually believe God to be working and what you actually believe about God's status on anywhere between dead, missing, to alive and moving is where you expect him to be. What places do you put him in? Where do you think he is stirring? It's a progression from my question a couple of Sundays ago. As I invited us to ask, where's Jesus? <laughs> what is he doing? What is he stirring? I'm now pushing into that this Easter Sunday a little bit further and saying, are you looking for him? amongst dead things or is his spirit alive and working and resurrecting and restoring today? The key to knowing if you believe if God is dead or alive is where you expect him to be.
one of the prime examples of this I've seen over the last few weeks relating to the pandemic or the coronavirus we find ourselves in is Christians freaking out sometimes. Just freaking out at the thought of them not having a Sunday gathering. <laughs> now, I must admit, I've been super proud of our people at Burley Church of Christ. Questions, um, there's been some anxiousness, but that's completely normal. But for the most part, our church has stepped up and taken this thing on with maturity and trust. And I've heard very, very similar stories from Paul um, there at uh, Camp Hill Church of Christ, not being able to gather and holding a level of maturity around that. But then there's other stories that have come out. We've seen them on the web. We may have heard about them. Churches not knowing what they'll do because they're not able to gather together on Sunday. Now, without being too harsh on this, because I myself have had moments and will continue to do of concerns and worry about what we'll do. I love, I miss it. I miss our main Sunday gathering. But here's the pointed end of the question and what we're exploring today. If, if you're God can only show up 9 to 12 on a Sunday morning because you sing songs and you hear a sermon, then your God might as well be dead. Let me say that again because it's pretty direct. If the only way your God can show up, if the only way your God can exist or stir or move is by the hours between 9 and 12 on a Sunday morning, then he might as well be dead, or at least a very boxed-in God. I miss the Sunday gathering dearly, but in the last few weeks I've seen churches meet in homes. Listen to this. I've seen them reach out to the sick. I've seen the poor, the elderly make connection, um, and I've seen uh, innovations online. I've seen the church, uh, I mean this church, and a lot of what I'm talking about is the wider church, but let's bring it back to Burley. I've seen, man, this the food help and the love and the calls coming out of this place, the generosity, the questions and connection I've heard about from you, from non-believers online and people just turning around and asking questions of God. It turns out, church, the Spirit is alive and restoring every day of the week. Did you, um, did, you know? <laughs> did you know that Jesus rose again so that people could see the Spirit and restoration Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and even Saturdays? I am on a journey personally as I'm reminded again that it turns out our God is well and truly living every day. The gatherings have shut down, but God has not. If anything, if it's even possible, he's working overtime. So what about it? Are you living life with a God that is dead? Or a God that is life-giving? Say that again. So what about it? Are you living life with a God that is dead or a God that is life-giving? I get that we're all physically shut in at the moment. <laughs> but as I reflect on that, for some of us, even before the coronavirus, let's be honest, between the garage 
<laughs> the high fences, the aircon in our cars as we drove to work, and then without talking to many people, got back home safely without getting out of aircon, <laughs> back into the homes to watch Netflix. Some of us have been shut off for a long time, long before the virus. Playing it safe, playing it careful, living in the comfortable, the known, the controlled. Is that how a person lives? When they know or they've come in contact with a God that is living. Honest question to reflect back on now, in hindsight, I guess. Was the way we have been living, or the way you've been living, or the way I've been living, back when we lived together in the land of overflowing with toilet paper and pasta, <laughs> when the shelves were full, when we were allowed to do whatever we wanted and go out? If you think back to that only a couple of weeks ago, to use the language of our government, how much of what you were doing or pursuing was essential. At the end of the day, now in hindsight, now looking back in this season, what was important? Was it the work you did, the things you built, the empire, the bank account? Or does it turn out it was actually the relationships? <laughs> the community, your relationship with God. Now, some of that is intertwined. Some of you are building the kingdom. I get that. I'm not. Um, but what parts of your life pre-COVID-19 were living with a God that's alive and wants to bring restoration? Or were there parts of your life that seem they're living now looking back with attack on faith with a God that might be dead? such an important reflection in this season as we can look back kind of with eyes wide open in that uncrowded moment. So what am I proposing? <laughs> Do I propose Easter Sunday morning? We get up and we scrooge it. What I mean by that from the Christmas Carol. We run over to our neighbours with a home-cooked dinner and run down to Tiny Tim's family and give him a raise and you just go, God bless everyone, happy Easter. I've changed. It's about community. It's about relationship. God is living. <laughs> kind of, but kind of not because there's plenty of time for that. And when we return to new normals. Uh, but right now we're in lockdown. Right now that's not good advice. They're not safe advice. So let's use the season we're in. You know where the Bible actually tells us Jesus was at? When the ladies went to the tomb and found it empty and they said, he's not here. He's not in a dead place. He's not a dead God. He's a God that's for you, living, alive and at work. Do you know where he was? Well, the Gospel of John actually tells us. John 20, 15 says this. It's a conversation with one of the ladies. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? They're at the tombs. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. <laughs> Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around 
or toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. She thought Jesus was the gardener. And although I don't know why, it doesn't actually tell us why, I can assume, based on everything else we've seen from him, he was at work. <laughs> what he's always doing when he's living, loving, restoring, working in the mess to bring restoration. It's an invitation I'm proposing this morning, building on earlier messages over this season. It's an invitation I'm proposing in this uncrowded moment to ask God for a bigger picture of him. For those unfamiliar with God, just start by asking for a picture of him. Ask God for you to see more of his work to unbox him, to release him, I guess, from our preconceived notions of a Sunday, to our preconceived traditions that we think is the only way God will work. To cut him free, I said, of your, I've written here for your, of your favorite Christian tradition, cut him free from that restriction. Cut him free of that hurtful memory. That was a broken person or a broken church. Not God. Cut him free of that. Ask him to open your eyes to see him working in the hurt, the pain, the addiction, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in isolation. Ask him to be the fully alive presence in your life this Easter. Ask him. Some of you say, how do I do that, Steve? Do I have to be on my knees? Do I have to do that? That's great to distract you, to, to not distract yourself. <laughs> but the most simplest invitation is to ask him. Do you know, in the last few moments of Jesus on earth, before he said, I've got to go, because I want to release the spirit so that I can be alive, <laughs> that my restorating work can go wider and can be involved in this thing. I've got this idea, this thing called the church made up of disciples. So for him to go and release it wider and, 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 and into every day, into every life, he did a couple of things. One of these things Bev mentioned in her reading today. He was asked by Thomas to see his scars. And he shows him. Thomas just asked. Thomas had doubts. Thomas was human. Said, some of you will have doubts in what I'm talking about. Just ask him. He also takes a moment on the beach to restore relationship with Peter, who, if you don't know, dropped the ball so badly over the weekend. And where God should be furious, he restores relationship with him because he's an alive, living, restoring God. So do what they did, ask him to be alive in you, to heal your hurt, to restore your relationships, to restore you whole this Easter. Ask his spirit to fill you, 
bring you alive fully and let him surprise you with how and where he turns up and where he's already been working. Let's pray. Father, we just, we so easily forget how big, we so easily look to control, we so easily look to manage you. And we do when we do that, we treat you as your dead, we treat you as your powerless. We shut the door on places and things that you could want to work in. We box you in. Father, this Easter, you broke open the box, <laughs> the tomb. The preconceived notions of people, if people can come back to life. <laughs> the preconceived shame and guilt that was hanging up, you destroyed that Easter. You unboxed the thing, Lord, and just I pray for this season as we reflect and kind of reflect on this idea of where you're stirring what you're doing, Lord. May we have a bigger, more powerful, living picture of you working. Fill us with your spirit this morning. Fill us with joy as we celebrate the resurrecting work of you in the cross, what you accomplished and what you're doing today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.